Greetings, brothers and sisters. We praise the Lord for his goodness and for his mercy. As always, God is good all the time. We thank him um, for really just taking care of us when we know that he doesn't have to. God um, is always looking out for you, always looking out for me. We're not always uh, paying attention to that and just how much he's looking out um, for us. But um, he is. He is looking out for us. He is still making ways out of no ways. He's still doing great things for us. Now, brothers and sisters, we are back again in our text. Uh, we are in the seventh and I believe the final lesson uh, in our series that talks about second chances and fresh starts. Let's go ahead and get into our scripture here. The word of God says in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verses uh, 12 through uh, 14, amen, 2 Chronicles chapter uh, 12, excuse me, chapter 7, 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verses 12 through, um, through 14, the word of God says this, and the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer. And I've chosen this place to myself for an house of sacrifice. If I shut up heaven, that there be no rain. Or if I command the locusts to devour the land. Or if I send pestilence among my people. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and I will and will heal their land. Amen. May the Lord always add a blessing to those that not just hear, but do his word. And as always, brothers and sisters, we say it um, time and time again, the blessing is in the obedience. Again, we will always say that. Um, I don't really see us getting tired of that. We haven't gotten tired of it yet. And we're still saying it because it's true. You want to be blessed? You're going to have to follow the word of God. There's no version of this where you're just going to get the blessing without doing what the scripture teaches, what the Lord teaches. You got to do it. I have to do it. No one in the scripture was able to just be blessed and just get every, get all, get all, enjoy all of God's blessings without being obedient to what God was saying. Now, remember in those days, they didn't always have the collection of the scriptures the way that we had, we have it today. Things were being, were unfolding and they were, and they were writing them down. They were being, um, they were being notated or uh, they were being given by God and, and these holy men were writing it, but they were living in the time where the collection of scriptures that we have today wasn't in the same form. Okay. It wasn't collected in, um, there wasn't a group of scrolls that had that, that consisted of all of, um, all of the books. No, because they were living it out. They were in the middle of it. These things were being written then. Okay. But even then, while God was speaking it out before they, they wrote it down and, 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 and took the notes for what the Lord was given when God was speaking it out, they still had to do it. They still had to do it. They couldn't get the blessings of God and by, by, by any other means outside of obedience. It just didn't happen. It absolutely just did not happen. They had to. And we have to. 
Amen. So make sure that you and and um, and and I are are following the word of God. If you want to be blessed, uh, and God wants to bless you, but you're going to have to be obedient. I am going to have to be obedient in order to receive that blessing. Now, uh, we are in the seventh lesson, I believe the final lesson here, Lord willing. Um, and we've been having a good go of this. The Lord has been really giving us something really to dig into and really to 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 understand. And um, we're in Second Chronicles chapter 7, verses 12 through 14. And as I said before, verse 14 is primarily the verse that many people, when they deal with this chapter, is the one that they go to and is the one that they highlight. But for um, the purpose of our study, what God has given us, um, ver uh, verse 14 was really just used for context purposes um, and, and 13 as well. But the main scripture of our focus is really verse number 12, which reads, and the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and have chosen this place to myself for an house of sacrifice. Amen. Amen. And that's, um, that, then that's, that, that's pr primarily where we have been talking and what we have been talking about. Amen. Last week, we talked about uh, a few things um, and just bringing us up to speed. And then we'll go further with this is that we, we started talking about repentance. Okay. Prior to this, we talked a little bit about the forgiveness of, of the forgiveness of God, but we can't really talk about forgiveness without talking about repentance. We had to bring repentance into it. Okay. And we said that there are different types of repentance. Amen. Different types. There is a type that is honored by God and there is a type that is frowned upon by, by God. Okay. So there's one that he will accept. And then there's one that he absolutely will not accept. Amen. We learned that repentance is a subject that is, that is, that is interwoven all throughout the pages of scripture. Amen. Man. And we learned some good things about it. We learned that true repentance is a character quality that God has chosen to respond to. Amen. Because we said we used a phrase. We said that we, you know, that we used the we used the phrase that that um, in conjunction with um, repentance and 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 what we said was was that it moves God. Well, we had to give a little context to that because you do get some people who don't necessarily know or are familiar with. Um, <clears throat> With with, uh, with with various terminology. And so when we say move God, we get to thinking, some people get to thinking that there are literally things that we can actually do that will physically move God. And this is absolutely not true. You cannot move God. You can't make God do anything. Amen. I'm going to say it again. You cannot make God do anything. Amen. 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 There are when God, when the scripture teaches about having power with God, okay, that does not mean that those that have power with God, amen, are able to move God, okay? No, not on the strength of, as, as in the light of, I can just push God into another, I can make God do something different by me doing certain, no, you got to understand God, God, listen, God 
is not a thing that you can just wind up and you can press start and then he just goes. He's not someone or something that you can just flip a switch or turn a knob onto a, spe a specific setting. And he does this. If I want this, I turn the setting here and God's going to do that. Oh, I want to do this. I turn it over here and then God's going to do that over there. It's important that we get some context on that. And we make sure we, we understand that you don't, there, you don't flip the switch of God or turn the knob of God and then just produce and call and, and have a thing. You got to understand God is alive. God, ha God has his own personality. Amen. He is his own being. And you need to understand that. God is his own being. He is one and he is his own being. God has a mind God has a will. God has his own desires. God has his own feelings. Now, if you keep that in mind, now I want you to set that to the side. And now, and then I want you to take yourself. How do you feel when people do X, Y, Z, and so on and so forth? And they're, and, and, and um, maybe they're doing the wrong thing. They're, 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 treating you wrong. They're doing all these kinds of different things, or they're engaged in these different things. You, you, and, and, and then they come to you wanting you to do something. You might eventually do it. You might decide to do it. Okay. You might decide to go on ahead and do it, but it doesn't change, but, but, but depending on what they have done, depending on the nature of what they have involved themselves with. After they have done all of X and Y and Z, and then they come to you, depending on what it is, the circumstances and on the heels of what they have done that you are, listen, you're not going to, even though it's within your power to do something, you don't respond the same way, the same time, all the time. You might go on ahead and do it, but it might take you a minute to get to the point where you say, you know what, all right, I'm going to go ahead and do this. Someone could have offended you so much that, yes, you're going to go ahead and you're going to, you're going to give them another shot or whatever else or however you want to describe that. But depending on the nature of the circumstances, that isn't always going to take place immediate with you. I'm saying that there are a lot of factors that go into how you respond. And although you might respond this way or that way, it might, it, in every case and in every situation and in every scenario, you don't respond the same way at the same time. Well, you got to understand, you get that capacity or that ability, you get that from God. So, we have to get away from that mindset that that we that when we talk about being able to move God and having power with God, that that means that we can automatically flip a switch of, and turn the dial the, the dial of God onto this setting, and all of a sudden, bam, there he goes. It doesn't work that way. It does not work that way. God is alive. God has a choice. God has a mind of his own. God has a will and a purpose of his own. And yes, God is a forgiving God. Yes, 
He is a merciful God. But just because you all you 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 begin to do X Y Z doesn't mean that God is going to respond at the exact same time. It doesn't, it doesn't work like that. You can't control God. You cannot. You we when we say move God, we are not talking about being able to push God into doing anything. What God does for us is because he has self-chosen to do it. He has done it. So when we talk about moving God, we're talking about operating in, when we talk about true repentance, rather, and, and it moving God, what we're talking about is, is, is operating in a character quality that God has chosen to respond to. God is moved by true repentance because he has decided that when he sees it, he's going to respond to it. Not because he has to. Not because you can force him or I can force him. He has chosen to respond to repentance. And just as he's chosen repentance to respond to, it could have been anything that God could have chosen to respond. He could have chosen that it was going to always be physical, uh, uh, physical work that you do. He could have always, he could have chosen, he could have chosen that what he was going to, what he was going to respond to or be moved to respond to was anything else or that you and I could do, but he didn't do that. He didn't put it on everything. He attached it or tied it to repentance. He has chosen in advance that he is going to respond favorably to repentance. Amen. This is the type of repentance that God desires, the kind that is true, the kind that moves him to respond favorably, or in essence, the kind that he has self-chosen to respond to favorably whenever he encounters it. Amen. God responding to repentance is what he's chosen to do. Keep that in mind. Now, God does not want us to be at odds with him. He doesn't want to be at odds with you and I. He doesn't. Okay. God, God, you know, God doesn't want to fight with you all that. He doesn't want to do that. He doesn't want that. He wants to have fellowship with you and I. That's his desire. God doesn't want to be at odds with us. Matthew 18, 14 says this, even so it is not the will of your father, which is in heaven, that one of these little ones should perish. Look at second Peter chapter three, verse nine. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises. That means he's not flaky. That, that, that means that, 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 that he's not wishy-washy when it comes to his promise. He's gonna, he does what he says. He's faithful, okay? The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to, there's that word again, repentance. Let's unpack that for just a moment here. Notice what he says in 2 Peter 3 and 9 here. So we already know he's faithful. That's what the first part, the Lord is not slack concerning his promises. It means he's going to do what he said he's going to do. If God said he is going to do it, he is going to do it. Somebody who's going to listen to this or who is listening to this, wherever they are in the world, whenever in the world, 
Don't put God in the same category as you put everybody else. That'll be one of the biggest mistakes you can make because God is not like everybody else. His thoughts are not like ours. His ways is not like ours. It, no, in the scripture, it teaches that very plainly. God is not like you and me, okay? If God said he's going to do something, brother, sister, all you got to do is wait on him. Now, when we say wait on God, that don't mean just be still and don't do nothing. What, waiting on God actually means be still and continue in what God has told you to do. You wait on the Lord while continuing. Waiting on the Lord is not something that we that is not a call to stagnation or you not doing anything. That that that's not what waiting. Scriptural, biblical waiting, okay? The type of waiting that God wants you to do. That's not the, when the Lord tells you to be still, okay? What that means is that means he wants you to continue to look to him, to continue to trust in him. To continue to look for your assistance and your help and your strength and your deliverance, your salvation, look for it to come to from him. Don't look for it to come from anybody else and from anything else. Look to the Lord for your deliverance. Amen. When we say wait on the Lord, that's what we're talking. Confidently trust in the Lord. Amen. When we say wait on the Lord, that does not mean just go find a chair, sit down, cop a squat, and just be done. That is not what that means. Waiting on the Lord is not a call for you and I to do nothing. No. I submit to you that waiting on the Lord still involves obedience. It is an active waiting, not a passive waiting. What do you mean active? I mean that while I'm waiting on my deliverance, I am still going to continue with what he told me to do. I'm going to follow the last set of instructions that he clearly gave me. I'm going to do what the word says do. Waiting on God is not a license to not obey or do anything that the scripture says. That's not what that is. It's not a call to stagnation. It's not a call to just be still, literally, and don't do nothing. No, 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 no. Waiting on the Lord means that I'm going to continue doing what the Lord said do all the while my faith and my trust and my belief is in him that my deliverance will come from no other place. My salvation will come from no other one. It will come by God and God alone. I am going to keep my mind set and settled and looking for the Lord and nobody else while I continue to do what he says do. That's real waiting, okay? Second Peter 3 and 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us word. What does that mean? 
that means he's putting up with you. That means that God is so faithful, even to the point of putting up with you and I being ridiculous. He puts up, he wait, he, he puts up with us not being on the same page as him. He puts up with it while we get to that point where we finally get on the same page. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So not only is he faithful, but he puts up with you, puts up with me. While he's waiting me, waiting for me to get where I need to be, why? While he's waiting for you to get where you need to be, why? Because it's not his will that any should perish. I told you, God doesn't want to be at odds with you. So what is he waiting for? That all men should come to repentance. Notice what it, he says, God, the scripture, Peter tells us something very important. He tells us, number one. God's not slack concerning his promises. He's faithful. He's going to do what he says he do. he's going to do. He's not like men. He's not like, he's not, he's, he's not like human beings. Uh-uh. He's, he, 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 he's, he's the real deal. He's faithful. But he's long-suffering. You're dealing with mankind. Once you, get, once you cross the threshold of, of somebody's nerves, they subject to stop dealing with you. They subject, if you're dealing with another human being, he, he or she is subject to kick you to the curb and say, hey, you know what, man, you, y'all, we, we done. We're done here. Keep it moving. But the word of God is saying that God is not like that. He don't take that mentality. He doesn't take that approach with you. But instead, what he does is, is, is that he's long-suffering. He puts up with you. Now, he's going to put up with you and I indefinitely. But he puts up with us with the hope and with the desire that we would come to repentance. Notice, it did not say that he's long-suffering and then he blesses you anyway. No, it didn't say none of that. He said, it said he is, but is long-suffering to us, word, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. In other words, he puts up with you, not for the purpose of watching you meet your end and your demise because of your sin. No, he puts up with you with the desire that you would come to the place of repentance. Because as we said before on last week, repentance restores fellowship. The blood of Jesus restores relationship, gives us life again. You understand? Amen. Got to have the blood applied. Amen. But after the blood has been applied and you have been born again, you still retain the ability to break fellowship with God. Amen. 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 Now, yes, you can all ultimately walk away from your relationship with God. God doesn't, doesn't drag anybody to heaven. I know there are a lot of people believe once saved, always saved. That's a lie. That ain't never been in the scripture. God has never operated like that in the Old Testament, and he's not doing it in the New Testament. God is the same yesterday as he is today and as he will be forevermore. If God didn't do it in the Old Testament, he did not do it in the New. 
God have never allowed anybody to just get away with anything. And if you don't believe that, you can read Ezekiel chapter 18 for yourself. The soul that sinned, it shall die. Glory to God. Make sure you understand that. Now, but we're not talking about the person that's that 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 commits apostasy. That's what that would be to totally, totally walk away from God. No, no, no. We're talking about the, the child of God that struggles from time to time that that ain't got no intention of walking away from God. But they but they drop the ball and through the course of everyday life. And that's going to happen. You're going to drop the ball through the course of everyday life. I'm going to drop the ball through the course of every day, everyday life. OK, you understand something. That doesn't break relationship with God because you're still under the blood. You haven't abandoned God. You haven't walked away, but you have broken fellowship. Sin breaks fellowship. It's going to always drive a wedge between you and God, between me and God. And so through the avenue of repentance, amen, that fellowship can be restored. David made it very plain in the book of Psalms. Restore unto me what? The joy of thy salvation. Why did you want it, David? Because sin got in the way. God didn't take his hands off David. God didn't abandon David. God didn't throw David away. But God was not getting ready to, to look. <laughs> to sing no, sing no campfire song with David all the while he was walking in sin. That was not getting ready to happen, and it did not happen. God's not going to do that. He doesn't bless mess. We said that before, and we're saying it again. God doesn't bless mess. I'm going to tell you something. Trash is still trash. And if you hand in trash behavior to God, guess what you handed him? Trash behavior. He's not looking at that and saying, ooh, I got to look at this prize. No, God sees it for what it is. God sees you for you. And he knows if I'm trying to get one over and he's not going to hook me up. It's not, it's, it's not going to happen. I cannot do my thing and God's thing. I have to choose. One scripture even goes as far as tells us, why die? Choose life. Amen. 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 God would rather we have fellowship together. But that's not possible with us still in our sins and walking around without his forgiveness. We can't have fellowship. God want to walk with you. God wants to be there. God wants to be the confidant that you turn to. God, listen, he wants that. He want to walk with you and travel with you and be involved in everything. But God got standards. And, and, and listen, when we say God has standards, that means that God has a mark. That God has an acceptable level. And sin means to miss the mark. And so I'm telling you now, 
God's got standards. God's got a mark. And as long as sin is uh, is operating just just uninhibited in our life, you got to understand. You and I, we are missing the mark. We're not living up to the standard. And God is not getting ready to hook that up. See, God has already done all He is going to do when it comes to sin. He has already paid the price. He's already went to Calvary. He's already shed his blood. He's already risen on the third day with all power of heaven and earth. He's already, listen. It's not, it's, it, it, it's not going to happen while living in sin. God's already done all that he's going to do. That's it. There's no other sacrifice besides the one that Jesus has already offered. And it's either you and I want it or we don't. Either you want it or you don't. Psalms 32, 1 through 2 says this, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity and in whose spirit there is no guile. To have your sins forgiven, washed away in the blood, is priceless. And to have the right and the privilege after you've been washed in the blood and you've been redeemed, but then you take leave of your senses and senses and you drop the ball in an everyday matter. You walk in sin. The words of any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Because as we learned on last week and the week prior, our text deals with is the culmination is God answering the prayer that Solomon prayed that you can begin to read and you can see the finality of his prayer rather in chapter six. You can read the finality of his prayer in chapter six, verse 21. Amen. Hearken therefore unto the the supplication of thy servant and of thy people Israel, which they shall make toward this place. Hear thou from thy dwelling place, even from heaven. And when thou hearest, forgive. That's Second Chronicles chapter six. Then when you get to chapter seven and in verse 12, and the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto them, I have heard thy prayer and have chosen this place to myself for a sacrifice. Solomon prayed that you and I and that the children of God would be given permission or the right to make amends by way of repentance. Before the Lord. In other words, he asked for he 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 asked for the right and the privilege that we would be granted forgiveness if we were to fall in sin 
provided that we come to ourselves and turn to God. And they would come and they would sacrifice and they would repent and all of these things. That's what he prayed for. That prayer had a cost that Solomon didn't know anything about. Solomon prayed it by wisdom. That was a prayer that was prayed beyond his understanding. He didn't know fully what all he was asking for. But God Almighty put that in his mind and allowed Solomon to operate by wisdom. And through that wisdom, Solomon prayed a prayer asking for the privilege of forgiveness, of continued forgiveness, because Solomon knew that they were going to drop the ball. And every time we dropped the ball, that was going to mess up our fellowship with God. It was going to mess everything up. So it became important to ask for a way that we could come back if we messed up. But what Solomon didn't know and didn't realize is that that came with a high price tag. Why? Because the wages of sin was still death. See, Solomon was asking for it, but he didn't understand the depth of what he was asking for. The wages of sin is death. Let me make this plain. Solomon was asking for a way to come back after death. He didn't realize it, but that was the nature of what he was asking. See, the wages have already been set. It was death. There is no coming back from death, at least at that point. But what Solomon asked for was a way for them to come back. The wages of sin is supposed to be death, and death is supposed to be final. And so when God Almighty said yes to that prayer, he knew what that meant. He knew that in order to answer that prayer, that a way had to be made for you to come back after death. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory. I hope somebody hear that. I hope somebody hear that. I hope somebody hear that. Solomon didn't realize that what he was asking for was life after death. He didn't realize that. He didn't realize that. And he didn't know that it was going to take a sinless sacrifice. Solomon prayed the prayer. But Jesus paid the price. Glory to God. God Almighty, he paid the price himself. He didn't, he didn't offload it to nobody. He didn't dictate and give it to somebody else. No, he didn't push it off on somebody else. He came and got the thing done himself because there was nobody that could satisfy God like God came. So what did he do? He satisfied himself. That's what he did. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Amen, amen, amen. You see, at a high level glance, true repentance motivates God to respond with forgiveness. It does, it does. At a high level, that's what it does. Motivates God to respond with forgiveness. And it is often said that repentance, it's represented, it's best represented when we use the analogy of a U-turn. And we say that because true repentance, it involves a complete change in direction. Okay? It does. It involves a complete change in direction. It's a change in mindset, change in all of that. True repentance. 
However, that's not all that's involved. Because see, if God took the time, and we said this before, if God took the time to make repentance mandatory for salvation, and he did, then we can be sure that just any kind of repentance was not going to work. He wasn't going to take just any kind of repentance. If God would take the time to, to, to <laughs> hook repentance to salvation, making it a mandatory part of the process, amen, amen, then you best believe he wasn't getting ready to just accept any old rinky-dink type of repentance. No, no. If repentance was going to be tied to it, then God wanted something special with that repentance. Because that God, <laughs> repentance, as we learned, is required for both salvation as well as continued righteous living. Repentance is for that. Yes, when Christ died, he forgave you for all of those things. All of your sin. He died for the sins that you committed. He died for the sins that you are committing. And he, desired, and he died for the, and he, for the sins that you have yet to commit. He paid it all. All of it. But you need to understand, he paid for all past, present, and future. But you need to understand the nature of what he actually did, what he paid for. That was relationship. You understand? So that you could live again. That, that's what he did. But see, the, that future tense sin, though, the stuff you haven't done yet, those things, He paid for all of it so that it would not destroy your relationship unless you just totally apostatize and walk away from God. But we're not talking about that type of person. Because there are some people that are like that. But I'm talking about the person that just having a hard time, dropped the ball. Every now and then, you're dropping the ball. The Lord paid for that. But dropping the ball still has the, has the effect of messing up present fellowship. Might not destroy the relationship. In other words, it, not as long as you keep getting up, not as long as you keep obeying the Lord, keep your trust in the Lord. Mm-mm. You, 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 no, that don't, that's not going to destroy your relationship, but it is going to destroy, it is going to mess up your fellowship and it's going to mess up a whole bunch of other things. We won't get into any of those things, but to the other things that it, that it does, but, but suffice it to say that fellowship with God, I'm talking about feeling God's presence. I'm talking about just being in tune with the word of God. I'm talking about being able to just walk and use the word the way that you're supposed to use it in situations to be, I'm talking about being able to walk in authority. I'm talking about being able to walk in anointing and all of those different things. That's what I'm talking about. Present sin will mess that up. And even though God has forgiven, God has washed those sins away. If you take up the, if you take up 
presently walking in sin. This is why if any man sin, we have an advocate. You got to go to, listen, you got to go to Jesus. You got to repent because repentance is necessary for that everyday fellowship. Amen. Amen. Need to understand that. Make sure you understand it. There is a type of repentance that leads to life, yet that same repentance, if it's channeled incorrectly and it's not done out of humility, but it comes from a place of pride and arrogance and all that other kind of strange stuff, that repentance is going to lead to death. You better hear it. You better hear it. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 8 through 11. See, that repentance thing is, is serious. 2 Corinthians 7, 8 through 11. For though I made you sorry with the letter, I do not repent. Paul said, I'm not sorry for telling you the truth. Though I did repent, though I felt, I felt bad, is what he's saying. I, I felt bad about it, but I'm not saying sorry because you needed it. But I did, but it, but but the fact that I had to do that, it hurt. That's what he's talking about. For I perceive that the same epistle hath made you sorry, though it were but for a season. Is that I'm sorry I had to do that, but I, I'm not apologizing for doing it. But I do wish it hadn't come to that. That's basically what what what, what Paul is saying here. And he says, and I and I know that it it, it made you it, it it did something to you, and and, and it made you sorry for a season it saddened you for a season but he says now i rejoice not that you were made sorry and i'm not i'm not happy that 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 it hurts that that it stung that, that's not what i'm happy about but that ye sorrow to repentance i'm ex- I, I'm, I'm 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 rejoicing because even though it made you sorry it led somewhere you didn't just start saying, woe is me and, 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 and construct a pity party. No, 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 no. That repentance took you somewhere. That sorrow, that godly sorrow took you somewhere. But that ye sorrow to repentance. For ye were made sorry after a godly manner that ye might receive damage by us <clears throat> in nothing. In other words, I'm, I, I, listen, I, did, I wish it hadn't had to come to this. But I'm glad I spoke the words that God gave me the words to give to you. I'm glad I told it to you straight, even if it hurt your feelings a little bit, because you listening to it, you hearing it and you responding to it. You didn't stay still. You didn't stay stagnant, but it moved you. It, you, you, became, you became sorry. You became broken over your sin. You became disappointed in yourself. You didn't become haughty. You didn't become arrogant. You didn't become stuck on yourself, but you, but you humbled yourself and you began to grieve over this thing and you grieve and you sorrow to repentance. It led you to the U-turn. It led you to turning around. It led you to turning your back on what was wrong and turning toward what was right. And, 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 you were sorry for a little while, but that sorrow was after that godly man. It was the type 
of sorrow that produced a response in God. Glory to God. It led to that right type of repentance that you might not, that you might receive damage by us in nothing. What you mean by that? That meant that, that, that you were able to recover and that these words did not become the final words in your damnation. In other words, the words that I spoke were not to be used as the final words to convict you because you never turned back to God, but you heard the word and you responded to the word. Glory to God, glory to God. That's what he's talking about. That's what he's talking about. Verse 10, for godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of. In other words, not to be sorry of, not to be sorry for. Do you hear what I'm saying? For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of. In other words, you don't need to, you don't need to feel bad because God spoke through you the words to give to somebody to get them going on the right track, even though the words were less than ideal. not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. Remember I told you that's, that there's two types of repentance. It's a couple, you know, the type that God honors and there's a type that he doesn't. And this is what he was referring to, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. That means that it's a false sense of sorrow going through the motions, not true repentance. Verse 11, for behold, this selfsame thing that ye sorrow after a godly sort, what carefulness it wrought in you. Yea, what clearing of yourselves. Yea, what indignation. Yea, what fear. Yea, what vehement desire. Yea, what zeal. Yea, what revenge. In all things, ye have approved yourselves to be clear in this matter. He was literally saying, look, look at this. Look at what it resulted in. Now you're careful. Now you're more, you're more, you, your, your, your passion, your desire to, to do the things that God wants you to do burns hotter than ever. Now you've gone after God with more intensity and more fervor than you ever have. Why? Because you truly repented. You regretted what you did and you truly turned in your heart away from what was wrong and unto God. When he says what revenge, he ain't talking about you getting revenge on somebody. No, no, no. What he's talking about is your comeback from your failure. Way to get back, way to come back and win where you lost before. That's what he's talking about. Where you failed before, but now you're back. You're back in the game. Yeah, this is a comeback. And that's what repentance, true repentance, allows you to do, allows you to come back. Amen. 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 The rainbow in the sky 
is a symbol of not just God's covenant to never again flood the whole earth, but it is also a symbol of second chances. You ought to read Genesis chapter nine, verses nine through 17. We won't read that today. But it's the rainbow. No matter how many people in this world try to hijack the symbol of the rainbow and use it to represent all kinds of wickedness, that ain't gonna never distort the true intention of the rainbow as God has designed it. Amen. The rainbow was not meant to be used as a symbol or a misguided symbol for people. Amen. No, 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 no. But the rainbow is a symbol of God's covenant with all mankind and all creation to never again flood the whole earth as he did before in the days of Noah. But it is a symbol of second chances. David, after his sin with Bathsheba, is sent the prophet Nathan to not only correct him, but to also give him a second chance. Second Samuel 12, 13, and David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, the Lord also hath put away thy sin. Thou shalt not die. An adulterous woman on the verge of paying for her infidelity found a second chance in Jesus. Amen. Look at John chapter 8, 4 through 11. He said unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now, Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote in on the ground as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up, he lifted up himself and said unto them, he that is without sin among you, let him cast a stone. Let him first cast a stone at her. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they said, and they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. And Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman. He said unto her, woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, no man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, neither do I condemn thee go and sin no more. Just talking about second chances. Hezekiah takes ill and is told by the prophet Isaiah to get his house in order as he would soon die. Hezekiah 
and decides to turn to God and pray about it. Second Kings chapter 20 and two and Isaiah 38 and two. Second Kings 20 and two says this, then he turned his face to the wall and prayed unto the Lord saying, and watch God move Isaiah 38 and two. Then Hezekiah turned his face to the Lord, to the wall and prayed unto the Lord. Two places he turns only for the end result that God would call Isaiah who's on his way out after delivering that message and say, behold, he's praying. Go back and tell him that he's got a little bit more time. Just talking about second chances. Peter would go on to experience God's forgiveness and a wonderful comeback after one of his greatest failures. You see, at the time, Peter couldn't see such a failure of his even being possible. He didn't see how he could, uh, he could drop the ball, especially in the light of how he felt in the moment. Nevertheless, Jesus provided, gave Peter a second chance before Peter even realized that he needed it. Amen. Luke chapter 32, Luke chapter 22, verses 32 through 33. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Verse 33, and he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. Glory to God. <laughs> Let me add thir verse 34 on that. And he said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before thou have shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. Peter didn't know. Peter, Peter in the moment felt that he was going to always be with God, that he was always going to to get it right. He didn't know that he was going to be in need of a fresh start and a second chance. He didn't think it was possible for him to do what he did and that he would fall the way that he felt. And somebody listening to this, you falling and, and you can't get up. You don't know how to get up. You didn't realize it was going to be like that. And, 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 and just a few short moments ago, you would have thought it all but impossible for you to fall into sin and for you to, 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 to drop the ball. And so did Peter feel the same way. But Luke 22, 32 through 33, 34 is about God providing the second chance and a fresh start before Peter even knew that he needed it. Paul recounted his second chance story before Festus, Porcius, and King Agrippa. Acts chapter 26. Look at verse 12 through 18. Whereupon, as I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priests, at midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun, shining round about me and them which journeyed 
with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, when God moves, you know, ain't nobody going to be standing up. Glory to God. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. I love that scripture. He said, we were all falling to the earth. And he said, but I heard a voice speaking unto me. Do you hear God speaking to you? He might be moving in, 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 in the lives of many people around you and his movements are impacting everybody. But while everybody is falling to the ground, do you hear the voice of God? that comes on the heels of it. The voice where he's talking to you, the voice where he's addressing you, where he's calling you out, where he's calling you towards him. Saul, Saul, why, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. But arise and stand upon thy feet, and I, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things in which I will appear unto thee. I wasn't done. He said God wasn't done appearing. He showed up this time, but that wasn't going to be the last time. And I made you a minister. I gave you a calling to represent me in what you already seen and you're going to be a representative of what you have yet to see glory to God this is the God that we this is the God that we serve delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles whom glory to God now I send thee to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to to light and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sins, glory to God, and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me, glory to God. I'm just talking about second chances and fresh starts, and, and I don't know how you feel about it, but that sounds like a whole lot of second chances and a, and a whole lot of fresh starts that God was was willing to do and to give to them that deserve it. And I wonder if you understand that you don't deserve the second chance. You don't deserve the fresh start. Neither do I. I didn't deserve it and I don't deserve it now. But it's because he didn't want to fight with me. He wanted fellowship with me that I got a second chance and I got a fresh start. It's the same with you. But if that don't move you, if that don't move you, then come here, prodigal son. Glory to God. In this parable, Jesus experienced, Jesus talked about an ultimate second chance. Luke 15, 18 through 24. I will rise and go to my father. And I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. 
and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of the hired servants. I don't know if you feel like that or if you felt like that, but repentance will take you all the way to that level. You'll take a look at yourself and you say, I don't deserve it. And I don't, I, there can't be no way for me to come back from this. But God, if you take me back, Lord, I know I might have forfeited a whole bunch, but, but Lord, if you just take me back because I need to get back to you, God, I'll take whatever it is. Lord, I'll take the, the place of a servant. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son but thy father but the father said unto the servant bring forth the best robe and put it on him glory to God and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry for this my son was dead and is alive again he was lost and is found, and they began to be married. And I don't know how you feel about that, but sin, when you come to yourself and you realize that you are a sinner, that you dropped the ball, and that God don't have to do another thing, when you come to the Lord in true repentance, then like the prodigal son in the parable that Jesus told, you'll realize that man, God restoring me is an act of his own mercy, not because I earned it, not because I deserved it, but God, if you'll just take me back, God, Lord, I know I might feel like I forfeited everything. I might feel like I can't come back and repentance, true repentance will lead you feeling like that. It'll leave you feeling like, God, I need you so much, and I know I don't deserve it, but I'll take whatever I can get. But I'm so glad that the God that we ask repentance for is the God that looks beyond your faults, sees all of your needs, and says, I'll bring you back, that I'll take you back, and I'll put you back where you was, even though you don't deserve it, even though you can't earn it, even though you can't pay for it. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. I'm talking about a second chance and a fresh start that you don't deserve, but you know you need. God, I thank you for bringing me back, God, when I don't deserve it, when I can't earn it, God, when I can't pay for it. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Fresh starts and second chances. David needed it. An adulterous woman needed it. Hezekiah needed it. Peter needed it. Paul needed it. The prodigal son needed it. You need it. I need it. But you know what we all got in common is that not one of us deserve it. None of us have earned it, but I'm so glad 
that when Solomon prayed the prayer, knowing that we was going to drop the ball, he might not have understood what all he was asking for. He didn't understand that it was going to cost the life of somebody that did no wrong. It was going to cost the life of somebody who didn't have, have a drop of sin in their own life that somebody was going to have to pay for the sins of yours and the sins of mine because the wages of sin is still death. But I'm so glad that God's love outweighed his justice and that he was willing to pay the price for David and for an adulterous woman and for Hezekiah and for Peter and for Paul and for you and for me because I need a second chance and I sometimes I just need a fresh start. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Brothers and sisters, second chances and fresh starts. All that and more is available in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he was born of a virgin and he lived and he walked among men working all manner of righteousness, performing all manner of miracles. All the while, he was on his way to Calvary to pay for your sins and mine. And if you are in need of a second chance and a fresh start, brothers and sisters, you can have that this very day. All you got to do is go and look at what God has done. Acts chapter two, verse 36. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God have made the same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, for the promise is unto you and unto your children, and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. That's all you got to do. Follow the recipe in Acts chapter two. You got to repent of your sins. You got to be water baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. You got to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And if you will do that, you too will experience a second chance, and a fresh start. And for you who've already done that, but you're struggling with sin, the Bible teaches us that if any man sin, we have an advocate 
with the Father. We can confess our sins before the Lord God Almighty. You got to be broken over your sin. No longer okay with it and secretly somehow enjoying it. Nope. If God don't like it, you got to adopt the same mindset that I don't like it. I'm turning away from this. And you got to turn towards God. And if you will do that, no matter who you are, where you are, you follow what that word of God says. Amen. And you repent. The Lord will restore that fellowship. The same one that David was talking about when he said, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Repentance is not just for salvation, but it's for everyday fellowship. And when we operate in it the way God wants us to, we will experience second chances and fresh starts when we need them the most. God bless you. Until next time, we will be dealing with something else, but this will conclude our lesson and this series in Second Chances and Fresh Starts, chapter, Second Chronicles, chapter 7, verses 12 through 14. God bless you. Share the word with someone. Love one another as Christ has loved you. Until next time, I'm going to end the recording here. Wow. <laughs>